0: What we're going to try to do is make sense of what took place this weekend. Um, So obviously this isn't our normal gathering spot. We don't normally meet here. It would be pretty awesome if we did. Uh, If someone wants to buy this property and donate it to the branch, we'll take it. Um, But what we've done uh, is just over the last three years, we we started three years ago, um, God has done incredible things. And this year we um, officially got five elders, so we became elder led. We have... Uh, three or four staff and we've got four interns and so we said okay like let's just take for the first time take all those cats out into this lodge and just pray and dream think about what went wrong what we've messed up with in the past and then try to really get a vision for the future we've always kind of had that up in the air this um, great thing that we're achieving but there's no real action steps there's no real um, everyone on the same page we're just trying to do it together uh, the hard part was, like, we've got so many incredible leaders, like, how do we, how do we pick? How do we take just a few? Um, so this year, we decided, let's just take the ones that have some kind of official title. Uh, next year, though, we've already talked about making it open, open up to even more of our leadership to help us continue to go with this vision that's before us. Uh, So this morning, in a lot of ways, what we're trying to do is just roll out the next 10 years. um, What we feel like God has asked us to do as a church over the next 10 years. Uh, It's pretty exciting, pretty crazy, um, and we will get there. Um, But I want to just make a quick observation before we do, and by quick I mean it's probably going to take me 30 minutes. Um, When everything was done last night, we had prayed, we had uh, fought, we had basically three main sessions. The elders had one Friday night. One Saturday morning, elder staff interns came together last night, finalized everything. And so we went in, my wife and I were talking, and she's like, well, how do do you feel? Is everything good? Um, And I said, like, yes, like, it's finished. But I was kind of hoping for this crystallizing, utopian moment where, like, angels would be singing and everything would be. But it's more of like, hey, can we be done with this? Because I'm tired of talking. Um, That's how the meeting kind of ended. Um, Anyone else kind of romantic, idealist? that make sense? So you over, like, you just want this utopian moment every single, and once you dream it up, it's hard not to. Like, I'm, the one of the first times when I was the most wrong was having our first child. I was like, man, we're going to have, like, worship playing in there. It's going to be glorious. Like, the nurses are going to be high-fiving. I'm going to pick Auburn up. No, it was like a nightmare. Uh, nothing like I expected. They were screaming and gnashing of teeth and not good. So... <laughs> So I've over-romanticized some of this, and I feel like the Lord just was convicting me because part of what we're about to roll out, is t- it's good, and it's exciting, and it's God-honoring. But the other side of it, it's, it's hard, and it's messy, and it's going to take a really, really long time, and it's not glamorous. It's, it's like hands to the plow, working in the field all day long, just hoping to get any kind of result. Um, anybody going to watch the Georgia game tomorrow? So... Uh, what I'm excited about is Jake Fromm to win, get the MVP of the National It's just going to be incredible. And I think we all want that moment of fromness, right? Where you're the winning quarterback. No one expected you're any more than even the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, but now you're about to lead your team to the National Championship. I think that's what we all want. We all want this moment in Christianity where we feel like um, the confetti's going off, the fireworks going off. We've done it, we've arrived. But we always have to, and maybe I'm preaching to myself, we always have to remember that day's coming, uh, but it's not here yet. 2 Timothy says it this way 2 Timothy 4 7. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who have loved his appearing. So there will come a day where our labor will be celebrated, where we will get to see all the influence that we've had. But it's not today. Today is, let's grab the plow, and let's keep plowing. Let's stay faithful, let's stay obedient. So, uh, I just want to keep that framework, because I don't want to over-romanticize what we're about to lay out. Because there's some really, really cool things that if God doesn't show up, it's not going to take place. Uh, but the way that this is going to take place is Trench warfare. It's fighting, it's grueling through, it's realizing it's not going to be glamorous or anything uh, crazy. It's just going to be us being faithful and obedient to the word. Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, well, that's a vision talk should be like uplifting and encouraging. That wasn't a a good opener for a vision, but it's okay. Um, So Revelation 2 is where I just kind of want to land real fast. Before we kind of roll out some of the vision, some of the ideas, uh, because in, in, like I mentioned before, we're three years old, and so in the last three years, we, we've done a lot, and we've seen God do a lot. Like I mentioned, we had, uh, really, me and Matt were dreaming this thing up way before, all the way to, I did have that moment when, when all the staff and elders and interns were here, I'm like, holy cow, like it went from two to this, like we had 28 people. We had families here this weekend. We never thought we would have families other than ours. That's why we have four kids. We're trying to populate the church to get this thing going. Uh, So Revelation 2 just kind of hit me as I've been thinking and processing where the church is. 2017 was the first time in three years we haven't had a kid. So I had a lot of time to think. Uh, And this is where I feel like the Lord has, has led us in a lot of ways. Revelation 2, picking up verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So this is Jesus in a revelation to the church at Ephesus speaking through John. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, you have not grown weary. So I feel like at some level, and I'm not trying to compare ourselves to the Church of Ephesus, but in the last three years I feel like we've fought, we've prayed, we've labored over, we've pressed through, and I feel like God honors that. But I I think we're also here in verse three or verse four. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So what does that mean for us? If Jesus is talking to us like we're the church at Ephesus, what does it mean for us to remember that we have abandoned the love that we had Mm. at first? Remember where we have fallen and repent because in a lot of ways we're a three-year-old toddler we're starting to walk and we're starting to talk and now we're talking back to our parents because we think we have everything figured out just because we've seen just a little bit of success of the church in a lot of ways we think we've got it figured out we're good let's get to the next level and we're abandoning the love that we had at first we talk programs over people strategy over practicality theology over jesus's love for us right now today and what that means So what is it then that we did at first when we were praying and thinking and considering planning a church? uh, Matt made the comment this weekend that of all the vision that we discovered and all the conversation that took place, probably one of the longest conversations in the history of the church were were these three things right here. It didn't take place in a huge team. It was me, Matt and Kyle and Starbucks fighting over what are we going to do. But here's what was happening. This wasn't vision. This was reality. We were putting verbiage to what was already taking place within the three of our hearts. That we were already trying to make Jesus the king over everything. That we literally did believe that Jesus is everything. And then we believed because of that, that we have been called to make disciples. And if we don't, who will? How beautiful are the feet of those who are sent. So we really did believe that our story mattered. And those around us, the saints, our story matters. And because of that, then we really did believe that people mattered. That the people in onaga, the people on UNG's campus, that is where we belong. That's why we're here. That's why we existed. So this wasn't a visionary talk. This was a reality talk. Here's verbiage to explain what we're already doing because of the love of Christ that's compelled us. That is why we started this thing. That is the purpose of the church is to draw in saints. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity puts it this way. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So if we're not making disciples, then we're all wasting our time. If we're not looking around and sharing the love of Christ everywhere we go, we're we're just wasting our time. And I think as big as we have begin to grow, and trust me, we're not massive. I use big very uh, figuratively. But from four people in our den to 100 people on a Sunday, that's kind of big over three years, for, for me at least. As big as we, the, the more we inward focus we become, the less that we remember what Jesus has asked us to do and the more we abandon the first love that we had. So when we start talking about vision and, and where we're going, I just, I just hope that you'll hear that thread coming up that, that to get big and to grow means nothing to us. We're still focused on making disciples of small things right in front of us. Because um, we all know Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Doing this because all authority had been first given to Christ and now he's giving that to us, We know, Acts 1-8, that we're going to be the witnesses all across the world of how good Jesus Christ is. Christianity is not complicated. We make it complicated. It's a very simple thing. It's discipleship. It's sharing the love of Christ. That's what it is, and that's what it's always been. So, based on all of that of that introduction, here's kind of where we feel like the Lord is leading us. And so I'll kind of do it in this way. We're going to share um, a one-year plan that will have a 90-day strategy and then our 10-year plan with our three-year strategy to get there. Does that make sense? So I think Kyle has a graphic for us. Um, Within one year, we will have, and and before I get into this, I know this is going to be uh, unnormal, that's not a word, uh, untraditional, it'll be weird, but I want everyone to ask questions. So we will have a QA time after, and then after this, we've got lunch for everyone. It might be a hodgepodge, you you might have lasagna and a sandwich on the same plate, but we want you to eat lunch with us and feel free to ask any of us questions about any that you're about to hear. Uh, within one year, we will have a hundred percent of our members in a missional community and a DNA. And also identifying someone ahead of them and behind them in their walk of Christ. Uh, so how best can we make disciples? It comes through missional communities and DNAs. So we're really zeroing in on if we're supposed to make disciples to make disciples. We, we can't paint it with a broad brush. Here's how we do it within MCs and DNAs. And the first step to discipleship is to recognize who you're being discipled by and identifying who you can turn around and disciple. So within one year, that is our goal. So there's four action steps within the next 90 days that will help us get there. The first one is membership. We will, within 90 days, we will start the process, and we might be done in 90 days, but at a minimum, start the process of membership, finalizing our constitution, bylaws, and membership process, and welcome members to the church. So if we're going to have 100% of our membership in the missional communities, we got to have membership, right? The second one, assimilation, develop a strategy for assimilation, including but not limited to a new pipeline, better language, reaching out to those who have been connected or haven't been connected yet, leveraging Sunday gatherings, MCs, rhythms, etc. cetera. DNAs, train DNA leaders and launch DNAs. Uh, and the last one is missional community training, continue to develop the leaders we have and identify and pursue the next generation of missional community and DNA leaders. So for us to get to our one-year goal of 100%. Can she explain what DNA
1: and just
0: Yes. Good. You are an elder, so I will do that for you. (laughs) Uh, Because you could fire me. So. uh, For me. Yeah. No. No. It's good. It's good. So missional communities is, is simply. Um, a broom of or a community of 10 to 15 to 30 people um, where they get together, they study scripture together, they love and serve one another, and then they're sent out to go on mission either individually or together, adopting something for them all to rally behind. Um, so that they gather once a week um, for a meeting, but the hope is that they're actually a community, their family that's doing life together constantly. Um, so currently we have three of those. Uh, that's kind of our uh, faces up there. If you want more information, Carlton will be here. Uh, we're actually doing a little bit of a missional community training after this. Um, so if you just want to sit in on that just to hear what we're doing, you're welcome to do that. Um, DNAs come out of missional communities. And so what those are, they're gender-specific: three guys and three girls, where they meet together uh, to study Scripture, to read Scripture together, to to confess and nurture sin together, and to pray for the lost. So it's a more high countab- accountability group together. You
1: don't you
0: don't nurture sin. No, we're trying to grow sin within the church. <laughs> but what we want. Sin plants everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. Nurture each other in their sin. That's probably a better way to say that. Man, you all are making me hot. I gotta roll my sleeves. <laughs> Put me on the spot. So so that is what MCs and DNA's are. And so when we talk about big picture and ethereal and ten-year vision, which we're about to get to, none of that takes place if we're not making disciples to make disciples. And for us at the branch, we think the best way to do that. It's through missional communities and DNAs. It's through uh, Carlton's famous, because he oversees all of this. It's through high accountability and low control. So we're going to press and challenge, and then we're going to let you guys flesh that out, whatever that looks like. So our communities will look different. DNA groups will look different. But as long as we're pushing each other to become more like Christ, that's the win. That's what we're trying to pursue. Um, And so would this our three missional communities go to 12 by next year? Sure, Maybe. But the way that they're going to do that is not by addition, but by multiplication. That if we're reproducing leaders, then of course we're going to grow. Uh, But we're not looking to grow just for the sake of growing. If we make disciples, then we're going to grow. Tracking so far? So, in light of this uh, 90 days, where is this all going? So, our 10-year strategy. In the next decade, we will grow a network of 10 high-impact churches, spread across college communities in the southeast. These churches will be focused on the leadership development through discipleship with their primary measure of effectiveness being the numbers of leaders multiplied every two years. So within 10 years, within a decade, by 2028, our goal, our vision is that we will have 10 branches spread across the southeast and college towns. The way that we're going to achieve that is not, again, hiring people from the outside and trying to make this thing take place. It's by multiplying leaders every two years. Now, if you do the math, if we're doing this right, we would actually hit 32 churches in the next 10 years, not 10. So if we're multiplying leaders every two years, the number would actually be 32. So because of this, but again, the root of all of this, what I want, yes, we want to plant churches, and this is going to be incredible, but we're only planting churches because we're making disciples, and we've got to figure out what to do with all these leaders that we're creating. So how best, then, until we get to this in the next three years? Uh, we've got four strategic action steps.
1: Three years,
0: years. Yes, that is three years. If this TV wasn't as much as my house, I'd put tape over that. But um, Number one, multiply from one churches to three churches with a minimum of four key leaders per church. So by 2021, there will be three branch churches. There will be Dahlonega, somewhere else, somewhere else. All autonomous, and I can get into that. Um, I'm going to skip over to this one real quick. Develop a branch network team offering oversight, leadership, and development to all network churches. So we'd have a network team that would help oversee and facilitate new churches, make sure churches are healthy, uh, make sure churches are loved and supported and cared for. And because of that network, we need to establish a revenue stream of $125,000 annually for the branch network um, to pay staff, to have support staff, to uh, properly shepherd some of our campus pastors that might need a break, that might need uh, to go on vacation, that we can send them on that. I uh, just to love to support them. And lastly, to complete a leadership development pipeline through missional communities with a highly functioning leadership culture, including accountability, content, and systems. So, again, all of this leverages on this that we're developing leaders who are making disciples that make disciples. We're never going to get to three campuses. We're never going to get to ten unless we make disciples who make disciples. Uh, Mike Breen puts it this way. If you make disciples, you'll always get the church. If you make the church, you rarely get disciples. So here's what I hope you hear. I hope we celebrate and we pray and we wonder and marvel at how in the world are we going to start ten churches in ten years. I hope we do that. But more importantly, I hope we start to think, how does that happen? How do we eat an elephant, right? One bat at a time. What do we do now? What is the next step? It's not focused on church planning. It's focused on leadership development. Uh, There's a guy, uh, Pastor Larry Walkmeyer, who puts it this way. And this, this language just helped our elders tremendously. Our vision is to stop becoming a lake church and instead become a river church. In a lake church, people flow in and stay. It seeks to get more and more people around one pastor in one place. In a river church, the people flow in but keep moving downstream. God takes them to other places to minister. The measurement becomes more about flow rate instead of volumes contained and about gallons per minute instead of gallons retained. That, just, that picture, if you're a visual guy, that picture just speaks a thousand words to us. That, that, that is not what we want to become. We don't want to become a pond that sits there and is stagnant and does nothing uh, if that is us right now, what we need to do is go break the dam down and let water start flowing. What we need to do is get, measure ourselves by gallons flowing out of us, not gallons retained within us. Now, because if you just simply do the math, if one leader multiplies every year, one to two, two to four, four to eight, a church that's doubled its leadership every year starting with one would have more than 30 million leaders In 25 years. Let me say that one more time. If a church that multiplies, doubles its leadership every year, starting with one leader, would have more than 30 million leaders in 25 years. 30, what would happen if we released 30 million disciples who can make disciples across the world in the next 25 years? Do you think some things would change? Do you think there would be anyone across this globe that has not heard the good news of Jesus? Of course not. So so what we're pushing, what we're leveraging, everything that we have, is do we want to reach the world for Christ? Yes. Do we want to reach Dahlonega for Christ? Yes. Do we want to reach college campuses in the southeast for Christ? Yes. 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 How best then do we do that? We develop leaders. We make disciples who make disciples. Now, here's where it might get a little... uh, Uncomfortable for some of us. What this doesn't mean is you guys sit there, write us a check, and we'll take care of everything else. Right? I mean, a lot of church experience is that. You guys don't really have to do anything. Um, This $125,000, if you guys could just raise that for us, then the church, the professionals will take care of everything else. No, what I'm saying is there's future church planters, missionaries, and disciple-making disciples sitting in this room right now. And our church only succeeds if you succeed. Our church fails if we fail of equipping and discipling you. So this isn't anything about what we're doing. We're just equipping you to do the role of the ministry, which is making disciples. So there's a lot. There should be like, okay, this sounds good, but now I'm getting a little uncomfortable. Henry Blackaby thought you would. Here's what he says. Will God ever ask you to do something you're not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we will get the glory. But if we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. So this should make all of us uncomfortable. When we finished all of this last night, I walked out on this patio 20 degrees and thinking, I don't even really know how to adequately make a disciple. How are we going to teach everyone else to do it? This vision makes me, your pastor, very uncomfortable. Just so you know. This is something on paper that we can definitely fail at. There's always a good thing about vision casting and dreaming, but we don't ever actually write anything down because no one can hold you accountable. This is going to be everywhere. Everywhere. Ten canvases in ten years by making disciples and make disciples. So in ten years, what's going to happen? What's going to show for it? But it does not start by thinking about church planning. It starts by thinking about making disciples. What does it look like to make disciples? What does it look like for you in this room to make a disciple? Now, the other side of that is, that's our role. Ephesians 4, and 12 is very clear that our role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So this 90-day strategy—that's that, all on us to help effective, uh, help make you effective disciple makers. That's what we're trying to do. That's. Why we brought Carlton on to only overseeing missional communities and DNAs. That's why. That's all that we offer. Don't come and ask us, is there a guy's Bible study or a girl's Bible study to get into? Not saying those things are wrong, but we decided, hey, this is, we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket. We think this is the best way to make disciples, and here's how we're going about it. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. And if we do, then 10 churches in 10 years is going to be water under the bridge. We'll be on 50 in 10 years. 110 years 25 million leaders that's where we'll be so let me kind of close with this quote and then I will open some Q&A and then we're just going to have some time of prayer for the next decade what? did I say something wrong? what did I say? for the next decade for our 10-year vision, I feel like my fly's down and everyone's just like laughing about it. I have no idea what's happening. So, so. here we go. Here, here's the quote to chew on as we go into Q&A and prayer time. People do not drift. Oh, we good? Okay. People do not drift towards holiness apart from a grace-driven effort. People do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to the scripture faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of loss, self-control, and call it relaxation. We slouch towards the prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. It's a quote by a guy named D.A. Carson. So as we start thinking through this, we just have to get out of our mind that anyone drifts toward holiness apart from grace-driven effort. So all that we're doing here, making disciples who make disciples, comes from a grace-driven effort. That because Christ has loved us first and has made us sons and daughters of the King... We have this grace now to live like we're disciples who make disciples. We have the permission and the freedom to mess up constantly. We don't have the permission and freedom to do nothing. So we've got to try and fail as opposed to sitting back and waiting for time to pass us by. A decade is not that long. Almost all of us in this room have been alive for at least a decade. Some of you, a lot of decades. (laughs) Right? Some of you didn't think that was funny, but <laughs> it's true. What I'm excited to see is in a decade, these 10 churches coming together and going, okay, what's next? We, we've accomplished this. What's next? We have this pipeline. Let's just let it, We don't have to worry about what's next. We're making disciples and make disciples. So let's just pull the roof off this thing and let it go and see what happens. If We get the pipeline. If we make disciples and make disciples, there's no telling what might happen. So, um, Real quick, any or not real quick, any questions about one year, ten year, three year, ninety day, three year, whatever strategies? Uh, if not, then we're just going to stop and pray for a little bit, and uh, then we will hang out. Any thoughts, questions? And I might defer some of these to the other elders too, especially the ones I don't want to answer. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so as someone
1: who is a part of the DNA in the past, how are they going to look different?
0: Yes. So. And since we are recording, I'm going to re-state your question then. Okay. So Madeline asked, for someone who's been a part of a DNA before, how are they going to look different? Uh, in a lot of ways, they're not. They're just going to be led and shepherded better. Uh, one of the key differences is we'll have a, MC or a DNA leader for all the groups that will be the contact person and be responsible for the meeting and continuing and growing. Uh, but the content will stay very similar. There's just going to be more accountability to make sure it takes place. Sound good? Good question. Mike.
1: Talk about
0: autonomy become campuses. Autonomy becomes, okay. Yeah, yeah, very good. So uh, when we are talking campuses, because I know that word can mean a million different things, um, we mean self-governing, autonomous campuses. They'll have uh, their own eldership. They'll have their own preaching, their own vision, their own direction. There's not, My mug is not going to look good on other screens at other campuses. We're not, we're not going that direction. We're starting individual churches uh, that will choose to participate in the branch network as a whole. Um, at the point that they get their own elders and decide to go a different direction, uh, then they would be self-sustaining churches and just roll off. Uh, but we're hoping as we work together, collaborate together, we'll all grow and become more healthy churches because of that. Uh, but yeah, they'll have their own governing, own financing, own all of that stuff. So that $125,000 is really kind of the central office. Um, I know for, for me, it's starting this thing, there's a, I'm not a very administrative guy, so... Uh, figuring out how to incorporate, how to 501c3, bank accounts, all that kind of stuff, drained me for the first year. I just wanted to go love on people. So having a central office would say, no, we'll take graphics, we'll take care of that, financing, payroll, all that stuff we'll take care of. Pastor, you just go love and make disciples. So try to create more healthy churches by having a central network that can take care of some of those logistics. Uh, But we won't be uh, over, they'll have their own elders, oversight, all that kind of stuff. Good question. Yeah, one thing, going back to
1: Madeline's question that didn't say, and I know you mentioned it before, but I guess it's an important distinction, is that DNAs are coming from MCs now before they weren't. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Anything else?
1: Will DNAs continue to stay at 3, or do you envision those becoming the foundation for new MCs?
0: So Mike asked, will DNA, <laughs> Carlton, you want to answer that? Will DNA stay at three? Or will they become the foundation for new missional communities?
1: The passion and desire for them to grow and to multiply. Yeah. So as you invest and invite, they will come in. Once you get to the number six, guess what happens, Mike? Multiply.
0: Multiply. <laughs> yeah, so multi- le- leadership development and multiplication is going to be in every facet of everything we do. From here on out, if it's not multipliable, we won't do it. Anything else? Do, do you need to elaborate a little more on the 125,000 thing for the money minded people? Go for it. You want me? Sure. So, th- this is Jeremy, he's one of our elders, so he can. <laughs> On that. I think it's just, we're, we're not going to be doing some big like fundraising campaign to get to $125,000. Yeah. That is a revenue stream that we want to establish, uh, whether it's coming um, from a, a portion of the giving that goes to the different churches or from an outside source. Uh, that's just a revenue stream that we want to have for them, and it's it's not like we're going to be uh, you know, expecting individual churches to be raising that amount of money. Yeah. Genre. And in, in the the door is wide on that. I mean, that could be from um, someone decides to write the church check for a million dollars, and we it that, or we open up a coffee shop, and their main uh, idea is supporting this $125,000, um, or, you know, like anything. The, the reven- yeah, like he said, the revenue stream is the door's wide open on that. So if you have any ideas for us, let us know, because we're, we're looking at that in the next three years. Anything else?
1: I have a thought or a comment. And I'm sort of new, so this may already be covered. But when you talk about making disciples, when when I was younger, I would always, that would sort of be scary to me and I always wondered how I could do that besides I was knocking on some stranger's door. But through life, we have discovered, and I'm sure you all have, so I'm, so I'm making this comment, that really it's about loving your neighbor, including the neighbor that sits down with you at, on a plane or <clears throat> at the coffee shop, and just um, interacting with them and asking them a question about their life. So I would just... Uh, I didn't hear a real connection there with the actual individual here in the body. So that's my comment, is that it's not that hard, uh, hmm. as you brought up. Yeah. It's living life, and you love Christ enough to be excited about him and share him. So really, discipleship is about nurturing your own walk with Christ so that you can in turn Nurture somebody
0: else's walk and just share a with them. And that's, you know, with the missional community starting up this semester, I mean, that's what we're really focusing on is just real practical steps for when you sit down. Here's how uh, one of them, I don't, I don't uh, I'm going to spoil alert, I guess. Uh, but just a revelation response. So when you hear someone say, Man, like, I feel like this is what I'm learning, then we can recognize, okay, God is revealing something to you. How then are you going to respond? Just a simple, quick question to bring it back to the gospel. Um, and it's just simple, practical things like that. That Yeah, when we sit down on an airplane, or we talk to our neighbor. We hear listening with gospel lenses on to recognize what they're saying and, and can always bring it back to the truth of the gospel. So um, all of that kind of training and equipping will take place in missional communities. Um, well, that's what we're excited about. What do you got, Auburn? You raise your hand. You have a question? Looking bunny ears. Anything else? It's cool for me just to look around the room thinking about the next church planters and missionaries sitting right here and you have no idea. That kind of cracks me up. Your next decade is going to look totally different. Even you Tozer. <laughs> cool. Well I know, I, know, I know some of you guys internal process or some external. Um, so a lot of you haven't even had time to formulate a thought or question yet. Um, so let's do this. Let's mm-hmm. pray. Uh, we'll take communion together as believers and then continue through worship. but then I mean, honestly just hang out. We've got this place for the rest of the day. So we'll eat, we'll hang out, kids can play. Uh, someone's going to fall into the frozen pond and we'll get them out. Just spend time together. <laughs> uh, spend time together and then we can see what this next decade holds. Sound good? Cool. Let me pray. Father, I know this much is true. It's what you told Peter that you are the one that builds the church, not us. Father, this is your life at work, not ours. So, God, I pray that we would just recognize that as, as we pray and as we prepare and plan for the next 10 years. Jesus, will we crystal clear, will we be crystal clear on the fact that we, we're doing nothing other than being obedient? And you know, we're not loving people and making disciples to try to earn your love or to earn your favor. We're doing that because you first loved us. That is the good news of the gospel, that when there was no way for us to please you, or there was no way to make ourselves holy, when there was no way to make ourselves pure, you sent your Son to die for us, to do that on our behalf. You made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So as we pray, and as we prepare, and as we plan for the next decade, Father, would that be on the forefront of our minds? we think about what does it look like to make disciples who make disciples, what does it look like to create a leadership pipeline? What does it look like to raise up pastors and planners and missionaries and, and just normal businessmen and women that can boldly share the gospel in their workplace? God, that is what you've called us to do. Let us not worry and, and think and concern ourselves with what you concern yourself with, let us be obedient to which, what, what you've asked us to do, which is to make disciples. So, Father, I pray for the leadership of the church, the elders, the staff, the interns. God, we, I pray that we would take this role serious. And God, that equipping the saints is what you've asked us to do, and we'll be held accountable for that. So, we pray, consider, and shepherd this church as well as we possibly can, depending not on our own energy or strength, but, Father, only on yours. God, I pray for the church and the leaders and the members in this room right now that are feeling uncomfortable and a little antsy about what this means for them. Father, I pray that you would just calm them, that you would reassure them that this is the plan that you have for them, so that you have a hope and a future for their lives, and it's going to be immeasurably more than they can even fathom. We gotta ultimately. I just hope and. Rest in the fact that this is your church. That you are the pastor here. You are the shepherd. You are the elder. We're just a bunch of minions running around trying to figure this out. So let us never elevate me, eldership, staff, and anything. God, let us elevate you and your glory alone. Because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. All we're trying to do is just bring glory and honor to that. God, let us not forget the small things, the little details, like the fact that we have freedom to talk to you right now, that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. That is no small feat. The agony that you went through to tear the veil for us was no small feat. God, as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we start to pray and consider and ponder the next ten years, let us remember this one truth, that you are faithful, that your word is true, that you love us. And you love the world around us. So God, would you ignite a fire under us? Would you just burn us up so much so that we can't not talk about you and your love and your grace for us? Would we see your miracles? Would we see your love? Would we see your life in literally everything? God, would you continue to draw us back, forgive us when we run? And by grace-driven effort, would we fight the good fight? Would we see you one day in glory? Hear well done, my good and faithful servant. And know... That while we were here, we were as faithful and as obedient as we possibly could be. God, we love you. And we're so excited for what you're doing. We're grateful for the leaders that you have. Those that were here this weekend. Those that are here right now. Those that couldn't even make it, God. That, that you have sent these people here for a purpose. And it's not to grow a crowd. It's not to grow a lake. But it's to become a river. So we're grateful for what you're going to do in the next 90 days, the next year, the next three years, the next 10 years. God, would our lives just be run out for the gospel? Let us not grow weary in doing good. Father, let us fight the good fight.